Life is busy. That is not a great grand news bulletin. I think you all realize how busy life is. Pastor Brandt is doing a Sunday school class titled Crazy Busy, and uh, I think most of you can relate to that. Well, life is complex. Life is difficult. It's not only busy. It's hard many times to really establish priorities. What is absolutely necessary for us to do, what is good for us to do, what's best for us to do, what do we need to do next? Oftentimes, it's not choosing between good and evil. Uh, It's not even choosing between that which is outlandishly good and that which is, well, that's all right. But many times, it's choosing between the better and the best. Many times, it's very difficult for there are so many options of good things that we could do and are doing that we ask ourselves, what is it that we are to be doing at this present moment? It can be difficult to establish priorities. Well, today we look at a priority that Paul establishes for Timothy. Paul has a responsibility for Timothy to fulfill. The theme of this morning's message is that Timothy is to make a priority to come to Paul. Notice the key verse, verse verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon. This is the main thought of the verses that we are going to be considering together this morning. Do your best to come to me soon. This priority is repeated in verse 21. Do your best to come before winter. Paul doesn't simply encourage Timothy to come. He wants him to come quickly. And he doesn't just simply encourage Timothy to come quickly. He says, do your very best. Make every effort. Work hard at it. Be sure to accomplish it. You need to come. And you need to come quickly. That must be your priority. Now the obvious question, or at least to me the obvious question is, why? Why is it so necessary for Timothy to be traveling, leaving a fruitful ministry in Ephesus, and go to be with the Apostle Timothy? Uh, Excuse me, the Apostle Paul. Why does Timothy have to go, and why does he have to go quickly? Well, the reasons may be a bit surprising. The first reason that Timothy is to make a priority to come to Paul is because Paul is virtually all alone and stands in need of encouragement. Virtually alone because of what is said in verse 11. Luke alone is with me. Luke alone is with me. Paul is alone. Not completely. Luke is there. But for the most part, he is, in fact, alone. Excuse me while I find my place here in the scriptures. 
So why does he stand in need of encouragement? Why is Paul alone? Well, notice verse 10. Why is Paul all alone? Well, he's alone, first of all, because Demas forsook Paul. Verse 10. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, who is Demas? Well, Demas is a co-worker of the Apostle Paul. He is mentioned in the book of Colossians. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. He's mentioned in the book of Philemon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So he's a fellow worker of the Lord Jesus Christ with the Apostle Paul, and he has left. But notice how he is described as leaving. For he has deserted me. He has abandoned me. He has forsaken me. This is not a good leaving. This is a bad leaving. He had neglected his responsibilities. And he was indifferent to Paul's imprisonment, suffering, and approaching death. Now, think of a a beloved individual who is indifferent to not only you and your life, but also the ministry. Why did Demas leave? Not for a good reason. Not because there was something urgent, something demanding, something good and wholesome that he had to do and fulfill. But it tells us that the reason he left in verse 10 is that he was in love with the present world. He loved the present world. He delighted in the things of this age. To be loved in the present world stands in stark contrast to verse 8. If you look, uh, excuse me, yes, verse 8 of 2 Timothy 4. Paul describes his life in ministry. Said for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but notice these words, but also to all who have loved his appearing. All those who have looked forward to his appearing. All those who have been ministering for his appearing. All those waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the establishment of his kingdom, the bringing in all the promises of God. What a reward that awaits those that love Christ's appearing. But instead, Demas loved the world. His eyes were not focused on the return of Christ and all that's going to be accomplished when he returns. Rather, his eyes were focused on this life, this age, his present situation. His health, his wealth, his income, who knows? But he lost sight of eternal things. And as a result, he left the ministry, and he left Paul. How disappointing that must have been for Paul when Demas forsook him. Just imagine, one in whom Paul had invested his own life, one that Paul had trusted with a ministry, one that Paul obviously thought a lot of, one that Paul looked to for help, 
and aid. How difficult when someone like that leaves. And then how frustrating, for it says that not only has he deserted, but he's gone to Thessalonica of all places. For Paul is very concerned about the people of Thessalonica. They're going through a lot of hardship. They're going through a lot of difficulty. And Paul is concerned about how they're doing, but he rejoices when he hears that they're doing so well. They have put their faith and trust in Christ. They are longing for the return of Christ. And they are enduring hardship and difficulty. And now, here goes this guy who doesn't want anything with hardship and difficulty going to Thessalonica. What an influence. What a negative influence. How disheartening that must have been. This guy's not only leaving me, he's going to Thessalonica. Anywhere but there. Two others departed on ministry. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. No reason to think that that wasn't appropriate. No reason to think that 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 wasn't within the will of God. Nothing bad to say about their leaving. But the reality was, Paul was still alone. Even when people leave for good reasons, we're still alone. Even when people leave on ministry, we're still alone. We can rejoice in what God is doing, and we can be thankful for the way in which God is using them, but the reality is, Paul was still alone. He was alone. Timothy is to come and minister to Paul emotionally and spiritually, for Timothy is uniquely qualified to do so. Timothy is uniquely qualified to minister to Paul's emotional needs. Back in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul addresses Timothy as his beloved child. He says, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He says in verse 4 of chapter 1, I remember your tears. I long to see you. I long to see you. Those are the first words of Paul to Timothy in this letter. Timothy, I long to see you. We've been many months in the book of 2 Timothy. We've been long past where he said to Timothy, I long to see you. We're now at the end, and Paul says to Timothy, come, and come quickly. I long to see you. Tells us in verse 4 the reason, that I may be filled with joy. To ease my pain, to ease my suffering, to ease my loneliness, to ease my difficulty. Timothy, come. And come quickly. Timothy is uniquely qualified to meet Paul's emotional needs, for there is no one closer in this life to the Apostle Paul than Timothy. Time and time again, he refers to Timothy as his beloved child. Not his physical child, his spiritual child. But no one closer to Paul than Timothy. Timothy is uniquely qualified to meet Paul's spiritual needs. Paul is encouraged by Timothy's faith in verse 5 of chapter 1. I am reminded of your sincere faith. As Paul looks upon Timothy... And 
he's going through this ordeal and Demas has just left and he looks at Timothy and he says, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. You're authentic. You're real. You're genuine. He, in the book of Timothy, it's filled with people that have forsaken him, abandoned him, deserted him. We're not going to look at all those places. And as Paul sits in a jail cell and he says, is there anybody real? He said, I am thankful for your sincere faith. You're genuine. You're real. What an encouragement. Paul is also encouraged with Timothy's sacrificial spirit in serving Christ in Philippians 2.21. says, For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will generally be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Paul amazingly says to the Philippians, I don't have anyone like Timothy. There is no one else that cares for you in the way that Timothy does. <clears throat> but the greatest reason that Timothy could uniquely minister to Paul was that he was on the same spiritual page. For Paul says of Timothy in Philippians 2.20, for I have no one else of kindred spirit. Kindred spirit. I have no one else who is in the same spirit that I am. I have no one else that fully understands and relates to ministry the way that you do, Timothy. Paul is surrounded by other believers. Not at that moment. They are not there for numerous reasons. He's alone, but... My point is, there are other people that Paul could have turned to. There were other people that Paul could have asked, come. Why Timothy? The ultimate reason is because he was a kindred spirit. He could really encourage, for he could understand. He got it. He could say to Timothy, to, to Paul, you have fought a good fight. You have finished the course. You have kept the faith. There is a crown laid up for you. It is worth it. He would not have caused Paul to second guess the decisions that brought him to this place. But rather, Timothy would have said, Paul, you're right. It's worth it. This is the way you should live your life. There is a crown awaiting you in glory. Application, even spiritual giants stand in need of encouragement. Even people of great faith stand in need of encouragement. We are not impervious to loneliness. We are not impervious to heartache and trial. We are not without need of others. Could God comfort Timothy of uh, Paul? Of course God could comfort Paul. Was God comforting Paul? Yes, God was comforting Paul. But he still needed Timothy. God's care and love for us 
does not mean that there is no necessity for God's people to show love and care and concern for others. God works through us, oftentimes not without us. And just as God has chosen to use people to share the gospel, God has chosen to use people to share his comfort and his love and his grace and his mercy. So, Timothy, come quickly. Second, Timothy is to make it a priority to come to Paul because Paul has something for Mark to do. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. As I said before, what a wonderful portion of Scripture. What a great declaration. He is useful to me for ministry. Why is that such a wonderful declaration? Well, because of Mark and his, his past. There was a tremendous change that had transpired between Paul and Mark. Earlier on a missionary journey, Mark had left Barnabas and Paul as they ministered. As a result, when Paul decided to go out on another missionary journey, Barnabas, who was Mark's uncle, decided to take Mark with him, and Paul said, no, we're not going to take him. The account is in Acts 15, let me read it to you. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and not gone with them to the work. That's a negative comment. Don't know why, but he had laughed. Paul said, it's not good to take someone with us that's left. And there was a sharp disagreement between them. So they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. I'm not going to go into all the details of that, except to say that there's been this tremendous transformation from a time in which Paul says, don't bring him, he's going to be a hindrance, to bring him, he's of great use for the ministry. We're talking two opposite ends of the spectrum here. Don't bring him, bring him, hindrance, he is of great use for the ministry. What a joy for Paul to be able to say that. What a perspective in just these few verses. For every Demas, there's a mark. For everyone that departs, there's somebody that returns. One of the saddest things that I face is when people decide to leave the church. I never take that lightly. Especially when it's not for the best of reasons. Especially when I know it's going to bring them hardship and hurt and suffering. 
I'm sad when people leave. And I'm delighted when they return. Nothing warms my heart more than to see someone who has, for a period of time, walked away to come back loving and honoring and wanting to serve Christ. Bring Mark. He's useful for the ministry. Paul is certain that, Paul will, that Mark will want to accompany Timothy. Notice he says in verse uh, 11, get Mark and bring him with you. doesn't say, uh, ask him if he wants to come. Get Mark, bring him with you. But what about Timothy's own ministry? We're talking about ministry now, and we're talking about leaving and departing ministry. Demas forsook. Mark left and came back. Now, here's Timothy, ministering in Ephesus, effectual, used of God, and Paul says to Timothy, drop everything, Drop everything and come here. Well, what about Timothy's ministry? What about the people at Ephesus? What about those people that he's ministering to? Notice verse 12. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. Why does he say that? Not just to describe why he's alone. Timothy's at Ephesus. Timothy is there. As he tells Timothy to come, he says, Timothy, I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus. He's probably the one who carries this letter. He's probably the one that hands it. Remember, we're, we're not, we don't have a post office here, people. Uh, we don't have FedEx, and we don't have all this. Somebody's hand-carrying this letter. And it's most likely Tychicus. And Paul says, I have sent him to relieve you, in essence, so that you can go. Timothy knows Tychicus very well. They have ministered together. Acts 20, verse 4. I won't take the time to read the, read the verse. They have ministered side by side. He knows Tychicus. So do the Ephesians. In Ephesians 6.21, So that you may also know that how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister and Lord, will tell you everything. They know him. He's the right choice. Timothy knows him. The Ephesians know him. He's ready to take over. It wasn't dependent upon Timothy. The work in Ephesus would not fail by Timothy doing the will of God. People, when we're doing the will of God, God's plans prosper. They don't fall apart. They don't wither. They don't decay. God is not concerned about one instance and indifferent to the other. God is big enough to handle the puzzle. God is big enough to put it all together. 
God is able to redirect and move us in such a way that his will prospers. And I say will, not wills. For God is sovereign over all things. And he is working simultaneously. Just as God is omnipresent every place, just as God is omniscient, knowing all things, so God is at work everywhere all the time. So we don't have to worry about doing the will of God. God often frees us for new ministry by supplying those who can minister in our place. Here is a lesson in humility. Rarely are we the only ones that can do a certain job. So often we think that it depends upon us. And without us, it's going to fail. It's God. It's God. The children of Israel were concerned when Moses was going to die. Joshua did very well, thank you. God raises up. It is God who supplies. It is God who directs. It is God who enables. It doesn't rest on our shoulders. It rests on God's shoulders. We aren't to have faith in ourselves. We're to have faith in God. People are not to have faith in us. They're to have faith in God. Thirdly, Timothy is to make it a priority to come to Paul because Paul has some personal needs which Timothy is to assist Paul in meeting. First, Paul is in need of his coat. Verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. He left it in Troas, that is in the northwest corner of modern Turkey. The cloak was a woolen garment. Why did he need a coat? This is not rocket science people. Why do you need a coat? Winter's coming. Verse 21. Do your best to come before winter. Paul needs something to keep him warm. Paul did not live on some spiritual plane that made him impervious to cold and discomfort. Paul was a normal human being with the same needs that you and I have. Paul was not impervious to the physical hardships of life. Here we find ways in which we can be of help to others in the simplest applications of life. Simply to give somebody a coat when it's cold can leave suffering, depression, loneliness, When Paul is feeling totally uncared for, a simple thing like bringing a coat brings not only the comfort of physical warmth, but the comfort of emotional and spiritual warmth as well. Bring me my coat. Paul's in need of his books in verse 13. Also the books, and above all the parchments. Books were materials that were bound together 
as opposed to a scroll. Uh, they made it easier than a scroll of, to find a place. You had to unfurl a scroll. It got to be quite long. And so quite early on, they were stitching leaves together to form books, bring books. The parchments, parchments refer to a particular material that was used. Papyrus was the most often used materials, but it was very uh, perishable. Parchment was animal skin. It was much more durable, but uh, it was much more costly. Paul says, bring the books, bring the parchments. There's a lot of debate about what was in the books and parchments, what, what words they contained. Some have asserted they were the scriptures. Others have said they were study resources. Some have asserted they were legal documents that Paul had to, to have to prove his Roman citizenship. Some have said they were simply materials that Paul needed to write on to send more letters. We don't know what they were. It doesn't matter what they were. Timothy knew what they were. Paul knew what they were. He said, I stand in need of them. Especially the parchments. I kind of think that they may have been portions of Scripture so bulky to carry all of the Scriptures around. You know, right now, uh, I've got about 50 Bibles, I think, on this. We live in an incredible day and age. I remember when my brother brought home, my brother got involved in computers at the very earliest stage. He brought home a, a Timex computer. Actually, Timex was one of the early ones in, in computers, believe it or not. And he brought home this, this computer, and those of you who know anything about computers, it had 19K memory. K, not kilobyte, uh, kilobytes, not gigabytes, or megabytes. 19K. Could hold a few pages of information. I was studying to be a pastor, and I said, you know, it'd be wonderful if someday they put the Bible on computer. He said, oh, you don't know how much memory that would take. We don't understand how much volume it took to contain the scriptures in those days. Tough to lug around. Paul says, bring me the parchments. Bring me the parchments. Couldn't someone else have brought those things to Paul? Sure, but who? Since Timothy was coming anyway, he might as well be the one to do it. In our busy lives, we often find ourselves doing things that other people could do. Sometimes, we're called upon to go out of our way. To take an extra stop along the way. Do everything you can to come quickly. Oh, and by the way, stop off and bring me a coat, would you? But sometimes we're called upon to do those things that other people can do. Those things that seem less important at the time compared to the larger issue. That's why I say life is complex. Life is difficult. Bring the parchments. Conclusions. First, from Paul's perspective. Sometimes we are in need of others. We stand in need of emotional, spiritual encouragement. 
In those times, it's really important that we reach out. You might think that people should just sense our need. We should be sensitive to those around us. We, we, we should be looking for those. We should anticipate problems and solutions. But sometimes it's hard to know what's going on in a person's heart and mind. Sometimes they put on a, a bright face. Sometimes we misread situations. You know, it would have been easy for Paul to have come across as though he didn't have a care in the world. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. From henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will give me. Peace that passes understanding. That's not flowery talk. That's reality. But that, doesn't, that reality doesn't change the fact that Paul knew heartache and suffering. Any more than the reality that Jesus as he anticipated his death, there was joy that lied before him as he was anticipating being in the Father's presence. For the joy that was before him, Hebrew says. And at the same time, Jesus' heart was troubled. That is not an inappropriate enigma. Any more than as we were talking earlier about, about sorrow over a, a loved one, there is no discrepancy at the one time, to be sorrowful and to be rejoicing. There's reason for both. And as Paul was going through this ordeal, there was reason for both in this need of spiritual and emotional encouragement. But Paul did not think it to be weak or dishonoring to Christ to express that he was in need and to express that he was relying upon Timothy. Timothy was the one that Paul trained. Timothy is the one who was the child. Paul was the leader. Paul was the father. But he humbled himself to say, Timothy, I need you. He humbled himself to go to one of like kindred spirit, for help. He didn't think that it was inappropriate. But far more than what Paul thought, we're talking about the Word of God here. We're talking about the Scripture. We're talking about what God wanted us to understand in this relationship. Verses that it, it, at first point seem almost like, why are they included in the Bible? You know, the Bible doesn't give us grocery lists of what Paul ate for lunch. Bring me, bring me a hot dog and, and a soda. Uh, the Bible doesn't give us that stuff. Why is the Bible giving us this? To learn and to be humbled. So that we might express to others when we need spiritual encouragement and help. When we are vulnerable when we'll be honest, authentic with people about our own relationship to God. Sometimes we're in need for others to help in ministry, as Paul needed Mark. 
Sometimes we need people to help us. We need to say so. Lessons from Timothy's perspective. Sometimes we have to drop everything in order to minister to others. You know, in God's sovereign plan, God moves us according to his will. Sometimes in ways that we don't even understand or comprehend. Why we're leaving one place and going to the next. God sees what we cannot see. And God often doesn't reveal. But in this this instance, God raises the curtain and says, Timothy, you need to go to Ephesus. God is saying this through Paul. This is the word of God. I mean, uh, Timothy, you need to leave Ephesus. You need to go to Rome. You need to go to Paul. I'm sending Tychicus to Ephesus. You just need to obey. Sometimes we have to drop ministries that are extremely worthwhile. Sometimes we have to alter our course in ways that we never imagined or dreamed in order to meet the needs of others. But that's how our God works. And we must obey. Sometimes we have to drop everything because we're the only one who can meet, truly meet the need. You know, you know the oddity of all this? I just talked about how Timothy had to be humble and Tychicus could take over for, for Timothy at, uh, at Ephesus. It really, the work didn't depend on Timothy. God would take care of it. But oddly enough, there was nobody that could minister to, to Paul the way that Timothy could. Anybody could have brought the parchments. Anybody that could have brought the cloak. If there would have been FedEx at that day and age, he could have called and said, you know, send them over. Anybody could have done that. That didn't have to be Timothy. Almost anybody could have brought Mark. Now, it was helpful that Timothy knew Mark, and it was helpful that, that uh, Timothy had a relationship to Mark and all that, but in reality, somebody else could have brought Mark. So we're back to the beginning. Timothy said, I mean, excuse me, Paul said, I'm alone. Luke is with me. That's a very interesting statement. I'm alone, Luke is with me. I'm alone, Luke is with me. I'm alone. Luke is there. Luke is a fellow servant of the Apostle Paul who went on numerous journeys with Paul, had incredible experience with Paul, was incredibly close to Paul, and yet Paul describes himself as alone. As close 
And as familiar as Luke was to Timothy, we already know from Paul's own words, there is no one like Timothy. I have no one like Timothy. Timothy had a relationship to Paul like no other. And at that moment, that was the priority. A relationship to Paul that no one else had. No one could meet that need like Timothy could. It's an incredible passage. For it teaches us that God doesn't just care for the world. In some kind of magnanimous way. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He does love the world. He loves the masses. But he loves the individual. And our sovereign God is so powerful that he can, at one and the same time, meet the needs of the masses and meet the needs of the individual. He is so powerful that he can see the the picture in such a clear way that the work goes on and the individual person is ministered to. It's a passage of great comfort. How dear was Paul to God? Did God really love Paul? That God would put Paul in a prison? That God would call upon Paul to die for the faith? Did he really love Paul? That two individuals would be sent away in ministry when he's alone and it's actually Paul sending them out to do ministry? Does he really love Paul? Yes. Yes, he does. How much does he love Paul? Enough to take Timothy out of a thriving, important work and say, you need to go over here for the sole purpose, the sole purpose of ministering to Timothy. (laughs) Ministering to Paul. I'll get this by next week, people. I'll get it, okay. Ministering to Paul. Timothy needs to minister to Paul. I'll get it. It's a, it's a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful relationship. It's a priority. Life's priorities are tough. It would be so nice if God sent us a letter and told us, drop everything and this is what you're supposed to do next. Unfortunately, it doesn't usually happen that way. But God does grant wisdom. God does grant discretion. If we are open, he will lead us, he will direct us. If we are humble, and if we're willing to accept his sovereignty 
and trust him with the results. May we be open to God using us, whether it be in the ministry to the masses or in the ministry to one. May we be used of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray, O oh God, for your leading and direction in all of our lives. We are your servants. We are called. Your spirit is leading and directing. You have a will for us individually and collectively. You have a will for us as a person. You have a will for us as a church. You have a will for your churches. You have a will for your people. You have a world for this this world and they do not stand in conflict. They are not opposed to each other. Though sometimes we have difficulty reconciling them, oh God, they are reconciled in your mind. So Lord, help us not to wrestle so much with the why as to the what. Not why we should, but what we should. Lord, and make the what clear to us. Speak to our hearts. Give us an inner persuasion. Give us wisdom to understand the scriptures, to recognize what our duties and responsibilities are. Give us humility to understand where others can minister and where we are uniquely the only one that can meet this need. Oh Lord, we ask that your will be done. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, I've asked that a different hymn be sung in closing, and our brother's going to announce that in just a moment.